This is a 980 CKNW podcast. You are live with The App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Beeler. We are traveling this week over in Europe. I've come over here for some uh, big tech announcements and just uh, tacked on a few extra days to uh, check things out. On today's program, we uh, will be talking to Ted Kritsonis. He has joined us here in Honor Travels, and he's got a full review of the new Google phone, the new Google Pixel 6. And if you are in the market for a new phone, especially on the Android side, you need to listen to this because this is one of the latest phones out there, and it's got some really interesting features. We'll also be talking about Apple's new music plan. A lot of people are using music subscriptions to get their music. Most of them start around 10 bucks a month. Well, Apple's come out with a $5 version, which sounds really appealing, but there are some caveats. It's called Apple Voice, Apple Music Voice. Anyway, we're going to dive into it and tell you what's good about it and some of the things you need to know. And uh, we'll also be talking about some of the travel apps uh, that we've uh, been using uh, while uh, we have been traveling, what's working and what's not working uh, as, as well. So let's get into some of the news uh, this week, John. And uh, this was uh, kind of uh, interesting, one of them. Do you remember Palm? I do. You know, the Palm Pilot? Yeah. Uh, they then branched into phones. They were then bought by HP, who then shut them all down. <laughs> Just killed it. Yeah. Well, Palm's brand has been resuscitated again. And there's some, I guess, wireless earbuds with the Palm name on them. Yeah, this is a very interesting development. Uh, everyone seems to want to be getting into the wireless, true wireless um, earbud game, and um, they look—they look a little familiar. Uh, you know, they're—they're they're black. They're pretty stylish looking, um, but. Uh, apparently, according to The Verge, they were able to find a very similar brand on Amazon, yeah. uh, stylistically and design-wise. So, um, and, you know, these have active noise cancelling, environmental noise cancelling, and um, <sighs> basically just, uh, a, a, you know, pretty looks like a pretty solid version of wireless earbuds. Uh, looks like they're going to be about 99 U.S., you can't uh, pair these with your old Palm Pilot, right? <laughs> <laughs> but hundred bucks, yeah, yes. which seems to be pretty standard for mid-range. Yeah, if you're uh, nostalgic and longing back to the days of the Palm Pilot, this might be something you want to look at for Christmas. Yeah, the interesting thing is these are apparently the license was purchased by TCL, but TCL is not manufacturing them. Another interesting story I came across. I don't know if you've seen this, Trump is launching his own social network. Didn't he already do that once? Yeah, it just didn't work. <laughs> He's got uh, a new one that uh, he is, uh, I guess, going to be uh, pushing called Truth Social. But already it's in trouble. <laughs> yeah. He, he's basically ripped off uh, the open source platform called Mastodon, which was the, the nice idea behind Mastodon is that it's a decentralized kind of like a Facebook. Uh, it's it's a platform. You create your own sort of group and you can invite your friends and basically it's a standalone. No one really owns the servers. They're kind of decentralized. And it sounds like True Social is literally just an implementation of Mastodon. So again, Mastodon is open source. Yeah. And this is kind of like Linux. Yeah. Over on you know the operating system side. Yeah. So you- anyone can take this, 
source code and make whatever they want. But they do have to adhere to some general rules, a license that people have to sign when using it. Yeah, when you have open source software, you have to ad adhere to the rules of that software. And that generally means you have to acknowledge where the software came from. And from what people can tell, the Truth Social is basically just a forked version of Mastodon, which means they've copied it and changed it a little bit. Um, so you know, anyone, anyone can freely use Mastodon's code, but they have to comply with the general public license. Um, basically, it means you have to give the source code to your platform away, which you know, Trump media may not want to do. So if you do use it to create your own thing, let's call it uh, the Mike and John uh, social network. I like the ring of that. Yes. We have to keep that open so that anyone could use that. Yeah. Any well, modifications that we do. Well, part of it's that you can actually see how the system works. That's the whole point of someone giving away in the first place. And if Trump media doesn't disclose what they've done to the code, then they're in violation. And apparently they have 30 days. Otherwise, they're going to be uh, forced to terminate uh, their usage of that software. Or be sued. Or both. Yeah. Trump gets sued all the time. I don't think he cares anymore. No, he doesn't. Anyway, it'll be interesting to follow. I, <laughs> I knew something like this would happen. I'm pretty sure the last social experiment that he did only lasted a few days anyways. Yeah. Anyway, we'll uh, we'll be following up on that uh, that story uh, nonetheless. Uh, again, uh, talking all about the latest uh, news here on uh, the App Show. Uh, Best Buy and Home Depot, they're dropping security cameras linked to the uh, Uyghur surveillance over in China. Hopefully I'm saying that correctly. And so these are security cams that many of us use. Uh, so a couple brands here. EasyViz. And, you know, we've we've looked at those before on the program. Mm -hmm. And another company called Lorex yeah, which, have been dropped by Best Buy and Home Depot because they have been linked to surveillance over on that minority in China. Yeah, apparently they provided the cameras uh, to the government over there for yeah. that purpose. So um, Home Depot cited its standards of ethical sourcing as its reason for pulling the products from its online store. Um, and... It's just really kind of interesting because at some point when a government uses technology, those companies get the blame game. Yeah. Right? It's like Home Depot or uh, EasyViz or none of these people were actually involved in that process. Yeah. But EasyViz, obviously, their parent company somewhere along the line. But what's to stop the Chinese government just going to a store and buying it? Yeah. Right? Like they didn't have any choice in the matter. Uh, the government wanted to use that those products. Um, not saying it's right, not saying it's wrong. It's just an interesting balance and dynamic that's happening. Okay, John, we're going to have to take a break. I'm excited about the next segment. We uh, talked a little bit about Google's new phone last week. We had just gotten our hands on it. But Ted Kritsonis, uh, one of our key contributors, has had a whole week to test out the new Google Pixel 6. Well, we all kind of have. Yes. And the camera. And so there's some really interesting stuff that it can do. You're listening to the App Show here on the Chorus Radio Network. Back after this. You are back with the App Show. Mike Agarbo here with John Bueller. Joined today uh, by Ted Krotsonis. He is our 
Toronto contributor. He's uh, traveling with us over here in Europe. Thanks again for joining us, Ted. Thanks for having me, guys. Google Pixel 6. Yes, you, sir. You've been testing it out. We've all had a chance to... Uh, I've been testing it in front of you. That's the best part. I know. And yeah. so, what do you think overall? So, this is a Pixel phone, but really, it's a total departure, I think, in a lot of ways from what came before for the Pixel line. So even if you're coming from the Pixel 5 or especially anything before that, this is going to feel like a different device. In what way? Well, for one, just the look of it yeah. is different, right? This is the largest, this and the Pixel. So I, I tried the Pixel 6 Pro. I didn't try the Pixel 6, but they're very similar anyway. Uh, they are the largest phones that Google has made to date. So the largest screens, uh, the cameras are totally different in a lot of ways. Uh, from the previous models, but the software computation that really drives the camera performance is still there, but it's also better too. So some of the features that they've added actually not only make sense, but I think are the type of features that the average user, the average shooter would actually find very appealing as well. So one in particular would be, now, even though Magic Eraser is not about shooting photos, it's about getting rid of people. Okay, or, uh, th this is what I'm interested in. Yes. The okay. Magic Eraser. Yes, it it did some pretty amazing things. We were in Vienna at uh, one of the palaces. Yeah, Schönbrunn, yeah. Yes, and you took a picture of the palace from up on the hill. I did. There's a lot of people down there. There were. In front of the palace, and you used the magic eraser. I wanted them gone. They're gone. Gone. They're all gone. Yeah. And you just did that with your finger. Just with, yeah, exactly. That's so what no Photoshop. Me. No, no Photoshop. Uh, it, that's what surprised me is I thought, okay, this is going to be kind of rudimentary, right? Like you're using your finger to try and be precise and try and get like, <laughs> and, and, and it's like, and, and it can be difficult, particularly in, in, in parts of a photo where there are pixels that are close together, like different pixels close together. Yeah. So let's say like you have like a, you have a path and then you have grass and then you have like maybe a statue or something that are really like tightly packed together. And there's a person literally standing right in the middle of yeah. that. It's not going to be super easy to get rid of them and have all the pixels match yeah. up. But despite that, in, in most cases that I've used it so far, I've been pleasantly surprised. So you have a magic finger. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> but so what makes this happen? Is it the new chip that they have on there that can yeah, do this? The tensor it's chip. It's in real time. It is. It yeah. is. It's very quick. And the tensor chip is a big is a big reason why it works. But it's also uh, I, I think this is an extension of Google's computational software and AI and machine learning. So basically, the the AI is learning where the pixels are and trying to match them up, not just so that they're the same, but also that they line up properly. So even in some cases where you are replacing something that's in the photo, you would think, well, okay, how does it know where the line is going to be, right? There's a ledge there or there's something, you know, there's clouds there. How is it going to match them up so that they look like they're put together? But somehow it does. It manages to do that. Not every time. It's not perfect. Far from perfect, I would say, but far better than I expected it to be. So what about the photos in general? Google's always known for their night mode. Yeah, the, the night mode, um, the night mode's gone through a change as far as how much light you can take in. So uh, we were in a cave, uh, we were in like this labyrinth cave in, in, in Budapest here, uh, where it was like really dark in yeah. some parts. I couldn't even see anything. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I could barely see you guys. So uh, the photos, for the most part, you know, in, in that kind of darkness, came out really, really well, better again than I thought. It does work better when there is some light source, something. Right. So when we're shooting like 
the beautiful river cityscape and everything. I mean, the photos were just awesome, right? And they don't take that much effort to do. So anybody can shoot them. The two modes that they are, so motion mode has two different modes within it. The, this is what's new. This allows you to shoot, let's say you're, I, I don't know if you remember, I was trying to capture a guy who was on a scooter. Yes. He was going down the, the street and it kind of had him in focus and everything else was blurred behind him. So it looked like he was going like 200 miles an hour. Yeah, so that's action pan, and then long exposure tries to slow down uh, movement to make a scene look softer and nicer. So, for example, like you have a waterfall, you know, you shoot that, and the water's just very creamy and soft. You shoot the river with like a bridge, or obviously some of these palaces. And, that we have and these are all automatic. Th this is all automatic. Yeah, so anyone can do this. Anybody can do it. It's literally a point and shoot situation. Yeah. You just have to learn kind of the nuances, like long exposure, for example, because you have to be so still when you shoot the shot, it's ideally better if you're using a flat surface or you're using a tripod. Yes. Yeah. Sounds like amazing <laughs> features, right? Like you're an avid photographer. Like yes. You carry your camera around all the time. We're always waiting for you because you're taking <laughs> 8,000 pictures. Like how does this compare to like a, a DSLR? It's not going to look, it's not going to be up to that level. Okay. Like no phone that okay, I've but ever normal used. people, but for normal people, I think, especially if they're coming from a phone that's two or three years old, are going to be absolutely stunned yeah. at what they come, what they see here. Right. So I, I, I think for the average person that's looking to take photos in a variety of conditions where they don't have to think too much about how the photo's going to look and play around with it, then yes, they'll be fine. I still wish Google would have put a pro mode or manual mode in here for shooters like me yeah. who could do more with the shots. But if you are that type of shooter, you can at least shoot in raw. So you can always process and work on the images after the fact. So they're, they're making a big deal out of this new tensor chip that they've developed on their own. So, you know, obviously for computational photography that's a big deal one of the features they're touting as well is like live transcription as well yeah yeah so done like right on the phone translation voice typing so basically anything that you're doing by voice that has to that requires some kind of text to go with it so voice to text voice typing translation anything like that all of that is now far faster and it works natively on the device you don't necessarily have to have an internet connection for it for Google Translate, for example, if you download languages beforehand, before traveling somewhere, the translation will work natively. You will not need to have an internet connection in order to communicate with someone in Are that language. Are we just talking written? Well, yeah, because like they're, you're both speaking, yeah. but, but it's again, it's using its AI and all the information that it has on that language to do the translation for you on the fly. Yeah. So both of you can talk. And you can do it in a conversational way. So it's not like, uh, okay, I'm, now it's my turn to press the button. Okay, now it's your turn. Okay. There's so what happens there? I talk and yeah. then it comes out in... It comes out in the language that I understand. Okay, on I screen or... On screen. Yeah. I then talk and it comes out in the language that you understand. How accurate is it? So far, it seems pretty good. Yeah. I mean, you know, but it's fast, right? It's yeah. how fast it is. And this works even when you're texting with someone too. So if you're texting with someone who doesn't live with you or near you, uh, you can also get that kind of translation as well. So or, it's, it's instantly translating over to their language. Correct. Or if you're texting someone in the same language, well, particularly with English, you can, I can text you, for example, and if I have you on my contact list, it will know, I, I can see your last name, it will know what your last name is and spell it appropriately, like properly. Okay. Right? Punctuation will be in there too. So it's, it, that's, there's some pretty cool features in the way that is working so far. And I imagine it'll probably get better as we see the chip do more 
Because right now, I mean, this is just early days. Any negatives? Besides, well, besides I, I mean, I will ugly, say besides I, the ugly case. Yeah, yeah. You, that, you're the only one that doesn't. Like yeah, it. you're the only one that doesn't like that okay. case. Um, battery life is much better. So I know for Pixel owners, this was always been a sticking point. Uh, but battery life is better here. Is it sensational? I haven't seen that yet, but it is better. Uh, other negatives, I don't know. I, I think generally speaking, this is one of the best Android phones I think that's available right now. And that's okay. That's a bold statement. Yes. Yes. But it is. And and part of and you've I'm, tried out many. I've I've tried out very many, including yeah. some that aren't even available in Canada. Um, but I think the price is one of the reasons why I'm saying that. Okay, because it undercuts the competition as well. What price are we looking at right now? So is we're looking at seven ninety nine to start for the base for, one for the Pixel Six, and then we're looking at eleven seventy nine for the Pixel Six Pro. The, those both start at one twenty eight gigs of storage. Every Pixel Six device has twelve gigs of RAM. If you want to go to 256 gigs, you you know you're going to pay more, but yeah. but that's where it starts. So price, the the new photography, and that new chip, and and just stock Android, right? Like yeah. you have a really smooth Android. Like even like the screen refresh rate is great. So yeah. this is a smoother phone to use as well. So a thumbs up. I'd say so. So far, yeah. <laughs> so far, we'll see. But, a, yeah. a must upgrade for any Pixel previous Pixel owner. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, for, if you have anything before the five, definitely. Yeah, a three or a four. Oh, absolutely. It 100%. would be night and day. Yeah. It would be night and day. Yeah. Well, thanks, Ted. If you want to uh, check out Ted's review, it's up on our website now at getconnectedmedia.com. You can read all the details uh, from uh, Ted's usage of it over the past uh, week. We even got a video as well where we uh, compared it to an iPhone camera. Oh, so yeah, all right. you got to check that out, Ted. I will. Okay, we're gonna have to take a break. When we come back, we've uh, got a few more things to talk about, including the new Apple Music Voice plan, only five bucks a month, and uh, we'll be talking about some of uh, the apps that we were using here on our travels uh, as well. Everything from uh, Uber alternatives to Airbnb and Chrome to translate. Back after this. You're back with The App Show. Mike and John here. We've got uh, Ted Kretsonis. He is uh, traveling with us over in Europe right now. Coming to you from Budapest, Hungary. Beautiful city. One of the announcements in uh, the past week here, Ted and John, would be Apple and their music service. Many of us using music uh, subscription services now. Typically, they start at about 10 bucks a month, which to me, it's pretty good value. And you can even get family plans that are typically $15, $16 a month for like six people, which is just incredible. But it looks like Apple's trying to get even a lower price point. And I think that's what they're doing with this new Apple Music plan. And it's called Apple Music Voice. It's coming in at $4.99. They're trying to get more people to use Siri. That's what they're trying to do. So I want to talk about why this is different than the regular Apple Music plan. You still have access to all the songs. However, you have to use your voice. Exactly. So it'll only work on Apple products. Correct. And only by you verbally telling it what to play. Yeah. So you can't go into the app and start searching and then playing music that way. You can look at what you've done before. Yes. 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 And you can get suggestions. Yes. What do you think, John? I'm just trying to figure out who this is actually for. Is this for the the kid that their family has Spotify and they really like what's on Apple different and they want to do it cheaply? Or is this for someone that just, they're trying to get into the Apple world, but they don't want to go all in with an Apple full-blown music plan? Um, or maybe they have just an Apple TV and they don't want, again, the whole plan. 
they've relaunched their uh, HomePod Mini, not relaunched, but it's come out in a plethora of colors now. Uh, so obviously they're going to be making a huge push there. This is the, uh, I don't know how much it is in Canada, but it's like 99 US. I think it's 129. 129 Canadian. A great little speaker that you can put anywhere uh, that has Siri built into it. So I'm wondering, is it for those people? Like if I'm listening to music on my phone, it's kind of nice to be able to go in and actually see all the songs that I want to play or look at playlists. Well, I'm just thinking about how you would actually queue up a playlist. Say you're having people over and are you going to keep, keep talking to your, your smart device? To yeah. You're going to, you're going to have to pick a playlist. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you but know. also you have to do everything by, by voice. I mean, do you have to skip a track by voice? I, uh, I think or, you can skip it through the Yeah, like so I'll app. show you what you're playing, yeah. I suppose. And so maybe you can manually play and pause and then skip a track as well. But the fact that you have to verbally tell it what to play right down to the album or artist or track or playlist all the time. I'm just looking at the Apple uh, release for this, though. It says subscribers have full playback controls, including unlimited song skipping through Siri. Ah, so you got to tell it to skip the track. Which is a little disruptive if, you know. I think I think it's, you got to pick a playlist and just run with it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? And the only time you're using your voice after is to tell it to stop. <laughs> okay. So, I mean, but if that's, if, if you're basically just letting playlists go, which maybe some people are doing that. I, it, I do that at my it, house. Is it worth paying five bucks a month for that? Sure. For no ads? For no ads. I know there's some free services. I've, I've never used the free services. Like Spotify's got a free service, but there's ads in it. Amazon. Oh, yes. Okay. I've used Amazon before with the ads. It's annoying, the ads. Oh, the ads are annoying. Yeah. Sure. But, but also Amazon's f- free or low cost tier is very limited to the amount of music that's on offer yeah. compared to Apple. Anyway, it's, it's an entry point. I can see why they're doing it. It's just a cheaper price point to get more people. It, it, it's ultimately a play to get people using Siri more. Yeah. Yeah. More power to them. Okay, we're going to have to take a break. When we come back, we'll be talking about some of the travel apps. Uh, We have been using traveling here. Everything from transportation to finding where we're going to stay and even translating. Listening to The App Show, back after this. You are back with The App Show. Mike and John here. We've uh, got our good friend Ted Kritzonis. He's been traveling with us over in Europe. Uh, We've been covering all the big tech announcements over the past uh, couple of weeks. Wanted to just... Chat about uh, our day today over here, just some of the apps we're using uh, to get around, to book. Well, it was interesting because when we were in uh, Vienna, you, we used Uber to get around everywhere. Yeah. And then when we got off the train in Budapest, Uber doesn't exist here. No. And I find Uber a little bit different over here if it does exist. Like over in Austria, there's no separate Ubers. You have to be a licensed taxi driver. Which I kind of like, actually. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. Yes. And I, I don't find it necessarily cheaper. Do you know what I mean? Then, then what? Then a regular tax. Just hailing a cab. Yeah, it's it's the same. Was it the same price? I think it's roughly the same. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, and they don't. <sighs> the s, you know, the estimation of the time arrival seems to be all over the place here. That's that's true. Yeah. Yes, that could just be the traffic, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's true. I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> the streets are narrow. <laughs> but anyway, it's it's nice. The quality of the ride is is good because they're licensed taxi drivers that typically know where they're going, which yeah. is kind of a nice feature. But yeah, so when we uh, we took a train uh, over to Budapest here in Hungary, which was a great experience. I just love the train network here in, in Europe. And, you know, obviously you can go to the train station, buy tickets, you can buy them online as well, which is a great uh, feature. 
but when we got off the train here, tried to use Uber, uh, apparently Uber got uh, booted out of Hungary back a few years ago. And so we had to use a, an app called Bolt, which is from a company that used to be called Taxify or Taxify, which I, we used in Barcelona. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. So they've kind of changed their name again, I right. think. But it uh, is, again, using the taxi companies. Yeah. And it looks almost identical to Uber. Right. It probably is Uber with a bolt skin on it. <laughs> <laughs> licensing their software, uh, essentially. But it, it's just so convenient, right? Instead of trying to find the phone number for taxis or just hailing one on the streets. Yeah. But it, it is also interesting, I, and I don't know how it all integrates, but uh, we went to some of the thermal baths here. They're, they're famous for these big outdoor Thermal, for sure. Yeah. For sure. And so when we came out of there, it was closing time, and there was like a dozen taxis. So I just, I like using the app, the Bolt app, because all my payment is all in there already, right? I just hail it, and it comes. We get dropped off, and it just automatically bills my credit card. Well, and especially because here, our address is like, Almost unidentifiable to yeah, me. Yeah, I can't pronounce it. So you can just copy and paste it, or you probably have it saved in, yeah. the, app, in the app for that. So it's, it's just so convenient. Yeah. But so when I came out of those baths, I'm like, okay, it'll be easy to get a bolt because they're all the taxi guys anyway. No, it said all bolts are busy. And so we had to just go to one of the taxis, which is funny stepping backwards, right? Like yeah. it's just so less convenient. But I found that the, uh, the taxi rate was higher than the bolt. Oh, right. interesting. Yeah, it, what I don't know is if the drivers can can turn off their... Yes. Yeah, like they can turn off whether they participate yeah. in, in that. Yeah, so I, I assume that for those taxi drivers that were there parked... Yeah, they don't uh, want... They, yeah, they, they, they don't want to use off. the app Exactly. Because, yeah. And they know that you're trapped because you're getting out of a very heavily congested... Yes. ...thermal bath. Yes. Exactly. Uh, but to get over here uh, and, and find a place... You know, typically I would either use Expedia or Airbnb, but Airbnb over here in Europe finding places, it's amazing because there's just so many choices. Like we're staying in the the Jewish quarter here in Budapest and using the Airbnb app was fantastic. And I literally had dozens of choices, but it's tricky because the photos (laughs) in the Airbnb app, like we're staying, we're sharing an Airbnb together here. And it's two bedrooms and a sofa bed. And the pictures looked amazing, guys. It looked like a mod. They know, did look good. Yeah, it looked like a show home. Yeah. But then when we get here, you know, the first thing I did was try to open the window because the heat was like 90 degrees. The handle broke off in my hand. The door, the door <laughs> in the bathroom is... Where we shower? Where we shower. came off? It's com- <laughs> yeah, it's completely off. Yeah. And it just, it's old. This, this... Not to mention that apartment no, is old. Not to mention there's no soap in the soap dispensers. Yeah, not true with that. Well, when we came in to the building, you know, it's all these really old facades, and the courtyard looked like something out of like the eighties. Yes, or earlier, like like yeah. like Hungary's communist era yeah. or something. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's tricky though, right? You you see these photos on Airbnb, and the rating system. I I still have problems with it. Because everyone, I don't know what it is. Well, do you think that people are rating this particular one high because of the location? But there's different components to rate it on. Yes, location is one. Right, because so location's fantastic. I'd give it five out of five. Right. I would give it 10 out of five if right. I could because it's right. so good. 
But the other things like cleanliness and just overall expectation, there's like, you know, several different categories. And this, this place is getting like a 4.7 out of 5. And there's no way. There's no way. Yeah. I, that's and, and that's what I find. People are not giving accurate reviews. So you think people are holding back? 100%. 100%. Is and it, I think I might have been guilty of this in the past too, giving better ratings than they should, just because I had a good interaction with the owner. You know what I mean? You don't want to make yeah. them feel bad. But I say you got to make them feel bad because <laughs> this isn't going to change, right? Do you think that there are situations where they will rate them highly publicly and then perhaps message the, the Airbnb owner privately and say, hey, by the way. I've done that. Okay. In the past, I used to do that. I would be a little more lax or loose. So I'm guilty of it. That's what I'm saying. Okay. Yeah. But I would message the guy like, hey, uh, you know, the fridge almost fell on me and killed me. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> or whatever. Because there's always issues. And I, I get it, right? Because you've got people coming through here all the time and just the, the general wear and tear. Like, you remember we were in France a couple of years ago, John? And you are, you know, you've got post-traumatic stress syndrome over slat beds now. Because you seem to keep falling through them. Well, because the Airbnbs, they're clearly, they're all broken. You can see they've been poorly repaired. Yeah. And then they just, you know, put it, it's almost like a trap. <laughs> <laughs> they put that's, the slats that's together. That's how they used to keep, catch animals in the caveman days, right? Yeah, yeah they, they put the slats back together so they look like they're connected, but and then yeah. they put a mattress on it and it doesn't do anything. Then any you, you put like a sock on the bed and it, Collapse. Yeah. So yeah. the first thing you noticed when you picked your bedroom, I could yeah. just hear him, ah, slats. But yeah, you're, yeah. you're alive still. This is a much nicer bed. Yes. But yeah, overall, I, Airbnb, I mean, it's not much competition. I mean, Xpedia is pretty good. They've kind of got Airbnb kind of stuff happening in there as well. Well, because I was asking you if you used any other apps other than Airbnb. But the big thing that you like about Airbnb is the protection that we get. Yes. Because they have insurance. Yeah. For things going badly. Yeah. And in the past, uh, I, I know VRBO is one, another big one. Maybe they've changed, but I know that there wasn't that protection. If you got kind of ripped off, you were on your own. I noticed you guys use Google Flights as well. Like, I don't use it that much. Okay. Uh, but I've, I've been using it more just to see some alternatives. I use Expedia all the time. Okay. I know there's all sorts of other ones, but they're generally 99 times out of 100 the same. So mm -hmm. even though you know you Google flights to Spain or wherever, and you think you're getting a special deal through this one site... You're not. It always ends up being the same price. But what about, what about keeping track of all the travel-related stuff? So things like your flights and you know, like like stuff like TripIt or TripCase, those types I, of. Apps. I got to start using that better because yeah. right now my organization is Outlook, my email. Yeah, and, and it's not bad, right? Because I can just search and sure. Find. But the thing, the thing about those apps that I don't know yet is how they handle all the COVID-related things. So you know, are they? Do they include that? Can you yes. upload documents? You know things like that. Oh, yeah, I don't you know, know, I'm not sure no. about that, yeah. but um, but I'm going to be curious to try that out on on my way home. It's such a new thing. Yeah, it's hard to build, and it's so yeah, the, all over the place. Everything is moving very quickly, and even the airlines can't really keep on top of it, especially with international travelers. Yeah, like I think I got three different emails from Lufthansa about going home. <laughs> well, and also like when we were, when we arrived in Vienna on this trip to, to begin with, I was thinking, okay, how are they going to look at the vaccination? Um, uh, you know, yeah. 
So you guys had a different... Well, they had a uh, high-tech scanning oh, system, yeah. Ted. Yeah, people's eyes. Fritz. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Looking at my my paper vaccination yeah, card. Yeah, because you guys had a physical card. Mine yeah. was a screenshot of yeah. a PDF. And they just looked at it. I mean, they matched it with, with a passport name and everything. But mine had a QR code. And they have no way to scan it. No. Just like none of the restaurants we went into in Vienna were able to scan it. They looked for it, and, you know, but they didn't have any way to scan it. So I'm just wondering if at some point, perhaps, we get some kind of general I think coming. I think coming out of this pandemic, there's got to be some sort of international standard that will evolve for, like, who, long, who knows how long this is going to go. Yeah. And for future. There has to be some sort of standard. And I know many people are concerned about that because it's, you know, invasion of privacy, blah, blah, blah. But... There has to be. Well, one cool thing I, I saw when I when I was boarding my flight in Toronto, or at least when I arrived at the airport, the Air Canada kiosk allows you to use touchless. So you can connect it with your phone and then your phone becomes a mouse pad. Oh, really? And, yes. Bluetooth? Yeah, it should be Bluetooth. Oh, that's um, kind of cool. Yeah. Or maybe Wi-Fi direct or something. But So you don't got people's so, COVID fingers all yeah, over. Yeah, you're not touching the screen <laughs> at all. Screen. So four people will use that, though. Well... I mean, it's there as an option. So, but Ted, people can barely use those screens now. Do you know what I mean? Like, no, the, I know, I know. Like the, I, the airline people are always over yeah. there. Okay, yeah, you got to hit here. Yeah. And oh, oh no, now you got to connect it with your phone. God help you. I know, right? I know. I thought it was cool though. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's it's funny, definitely. Uh, but yeah, so you know, Airbnb, uh, obviously, uh, sites like Expedia or Google Flights is quite good mm-hmm. uh, as well. And just... Well, I mean, we use Google Flights to mostly sort of get a, a sense of the times of the flights. Yeah. Right? Because a lot of these longer haul flights, they're not going every two hours. They're no. going once a day or exactly. once every couple of days sometimes. So at least you can get a good sense with that. Okay. We're going to have to take another break when we come back. More Tech to Talk. Stay tuned. You are back with the App Show. Mike and John here. We've been chatting with our good friend Ted Kritsonis out of Toronto, uh, traveling with us over here in Europe. Uh, chatted about some of the uh, different travel apps and uh, gear that we've uh, been using. A lot of tech waiting for us at home, John. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It's been piling up on my, my doorstep. I, I'm hoping my wife is bringing it in, but she might use it as an excuse just to... <laughs> Stick it in the recycling <laughs> recycling bin. I think she gets tired of all the boxes that pile up in the, the front you, hallway. You especially seem to get a lot of deliveries. Oh, it's funny, though. But what I love, though, John, over here, I've got a ring video doorbell. And so when someone rings the doorbell, and if no one's home, I get the notification. And the one thing I hate, there's some delivery companies, uh, Purolator, for example, if I don't catch that right away, they... They need someone to basically open the door to accept it. It's gone. Like they take it to one of their places and it's just a pain in the butt because it's usually far away. So now I can just basically scare the hell out of them <laughs> when they ring the doorbell and just, you know, hopefully they, you know, hear me properly. I'm just like, leave it at the doorstep. And so then I get in a little mini argument with them. I can't. I have to have someone here. Do you do, you do the, the pre-authorized like without a signature requirement? Oh, No. Well, that would help. That would help. Yeah. Yeah. Probably. Yeah. yeah. I do have like with the, the ring video doorbell, I have a program now so that Alexa answers and tells them to leave it. But, no. but half the time they don't because they're so fast to get out of there before that even comes. Right. Anyway. Okay. I want to thank you guys for doing the show today. Ted, as always a pleasure. Thanks for having me. 
And don't forget to check out Ted's uh, fantastic Pixel 6 review up on our website, getconnectedmedia.com. We'll see you again next time. You've been listening to a 980 CKNW podcast. Listen live at cknw.com, the Radio Player Canada app, TuneIn, Amazon Alexa, HD Radio at 101.1 FM HD2, and on the AM dial, 980 CKNW.